Tandem Nomad, episode 45. I think it's important to know that it's going to be okay. That you, you're probably going to make mistakes and do many things right, but also many mistakes. And in the end, it's going to be okay. So I think my advice is just get started and then figure out what you have to do while you're doing it. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, where inspiring expat partners from around the world share with you how they turn the challenges of relocation into great opportunities. So are you following your partner abroad for his or her career? Then Tandem Nomads is the place for you. Go to tandemnomads.com and sign up for the newsletter. Hello, Nomad Nation. This is Enel Deregi. I'm very excited to introduce you today, Olga Miking. Olga, are you ready for the ride? I'm ready. Hello. I'm happy to be here. Very happy to have you. <laughs> Olga comes from Poland. She had moved the first time to Canada to join her German boyfriend at the time. They then moved to Germany. A marriage and three kids later, she now lives with her family in the Netherlands. Olga is a blogger, a writer and a translator. She has written four books and her blog is called The European Mama. The blog is about life abroad, raising children and traveling. Olga is also a regular contributor to uh, Multicultural Kids blogs, where she is also a board member. Her writings have been, for instance, published on Scary Mom, Memalodi, and the Huffington Post. So Olga, um, This is just a very short overview of who you are. Is there anything I've missed? And tell us what's going on in your world today. Uh, yeah, well, one thing, the first time I didn't move to Canada, the first time I moved to Germany when I was three years old because oh, my wow. parents, yeah, my parents, um, they worked there as professors at the university. And I was three years old when they moved and I went to a German kindergarten and that's how I um, got to, to learn German. And we stayed there for two years. And after after we came back to Poland, um, I studied German at university. And um, yeah, when I was, um, I think my four, my no fourth year at the university, I took I did this exchange program called Socrates Erasmus, mm -hmm. which is a European. Um, European program for students who want to study abroad for a semester or two and that's how I met my boyfriend and later he he actually get a, got a similar uh, student exchange program to Canada and that's why I moved to Canada as well but between Germany and Canada I came back to Poland because I was still studying and he went to Canada so for a while while he was in Germ Germany I was in Poland and then he was in Canada <laughs> I was in Poland and then I yeah then I um, joined him in Canada for four months and then I came back again to Poland and graduated and then he came back to Germany and then I moved to Germany wow okay It's, uh, Each, each time I tell this, it's like, it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's, it's quite interesting. You've been going back and forth to Canada and then, to, and then you settled in Germany with your boyfriend who became your husband. Um, so how did it, the decision, was the decision just easy for you at that time? Was it just like, let's go for this adventure? Or did, it, did you have to give it some thoughts? Um, at the bit, like, I knew from the beginning when we started dating in Germany that he would be going to Canada in a year's time or so. Mm. Um, but I didn't think about it much because, you know, it was just the beginning and who knows what was going to happen. And um, 
So I didn't really think about it. It was only later that I started, oh, so he's going to be in Canada and I'm going to be in Poland and it's so far away and what are we going to do? And what? And also for a while I was in Poland and he was in Germany. So we kind of, I was working, he was working. So we would see each other on on weekends or, yeah. So you graduated and and then you went to Canada, right? If I understand well. No, I was still during my studies, but I was already working on my MA uh, thesis, so I I didn't have any classes to uh, any courses to finish or anything. Mm, I was okay. almost done. So yeah, um, so you were I, quite I, young when you started this journey with your your boyfriend. Uh, I was uh, 20, 21, 22 when I yeah. when I um, went to Hamburg for the Erasmus program, and then yeah. Wow, this is amazing! Yeah, this, <laughs> you started very early. <laughs> so I can understand that at the beginning, maybe there's not there wasn't you didn't have like a job or something that you had to give up to join, right? I did you actually. Did. Yeah, because my mom. Yeah, um, because I was still studying, but. Because you know, Canada going to Canada is expensive, so I knew I would have to find a job in order to you know mm. get some money at least for you know you know the ticket or or anything. Because once I was in Canada, I had this uh, program um, also for like, like a student work abroad program, which allowed student like which would give me a visa. Uh, to work in Canada as a student, mm. so I did that. But uh, before that, I did have a job. I didn't really like that job, but it was a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I worked in Canada for a while. Um, what did you do there? Oh, um, <laughs> I worked in a call center. <laughs> I found it by accident. It was a company that was basically looking for translators for like people who would, you know, be on call. If something happened and, you know, an expert didn't know English and had to, you know, go to the hospital, then someone had to be there to explain what was going on. But that didn't happen. Instead, because they had different projects going on, instead they offered me a job as a call center agent for an American company, um, basically selling products, whatever, clothes, yeah. So, so when you graduated, what were your plans in terms of career? Uh, yeah, my plan was after I graduated, I found another job at a translator agency. So I was a project manager for a translator translation agency. So I was responsible for finding translators for this spe- special project or, or whatever. And I was doing that and I loved doing that because I, I wanted to be a translator. So I thought, you know, this experience of working in a agency was perfect but then I thought okay I graduated now I can move to Germany to join my boyfriend Mm -hmm. and um, my plan was of course I would find a job there but because I was afraid that my Polish uh, diploma wouldn't be accepted in Germany I thought I'd start another program a May program in media and communication Mm. for two years I mean Theoretically, it was two years, um, and then I would have a German diploma, and uh, yeah, it would be easier for me to find a job there. So this is what you did at the end. <laughs> uh, almost, except <laughs> that once I um, <laughs> once I start, yeah. So once I was like maybe a year into the program, um, 
I got pregnant <laughs> and no, first we got engaged and I got pregnant and then my fiance found a job in the Netherlands. Wow. So wow. for a while, again, the same situation. I was in Germany, he was in the Netherlands. And also because I was, yeah, because I, again, I was in the same situation that I finished all my, all my classes. So the only thing I had to do is to finish some papers and they made me thesis, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, I was when, um, living at the time with his in-laws and he was in the Netherlands. Um, yeah, for a while I also came to visit him on the weekends uh, or when I when when there were no classes or whatever. Um, and th- yeah, then we got married after a while. I was uh, around thirty weeks pregnant when we got married in Germany. Mm-hmm. And then I decided um, I, I had this choice to make whether I wanted to have my baby in in the Netherlands or in Germany. And I thought, oh. I've heard so many funny things about giving birth in the Netherlands, like, what, I would have to have a home birth or a midwife instead of a doctor, what's going on? (laughs) So I decided to move in with my in-laws and have my baby in Germany. Mm. Because it was something that you were more familiar with, I guess, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, I I guess I just felt more comfortable with a doctor and the, yeah. That's very interesting. So tell yeah. me, which mindset were you? Because that's a lot to handle in a few months between moving back to Germany, getting pregnant, getting engaged, getting <laughs> married, having your husband move abroad and have a distance relationship, giving birth in a country where a country your husband is not, living with the in-laws, <laughs> uh, finishing, your sh- finishing your studies. That's a lot to handle in a few months, maybe a year or a couple of years. So tell us, which mindset were you in? Oh, I... Um I think once I, once I was in the state of, uh, you know, organizing the wedding because my husband, my fiance was in, in the Netherlands at the time, so he couldn't really help with organizing the wedding. And so my mother-in-law helped me organize everything and the wedding was really great and nice and, and wonderful. It worked out perfectly. And, um, but once I was doing that, you know, being busy with the organizing and studies, I was, I think it was more or less okay. I was tired, but I was all right. But once I got to this point where, you know, my belly started to get really heavy and I, I was a little bit afraid of giving birth and I didn't really know what was going on because it was the first time. So it's always the question, is this normal? Hmm. And did, did you have the kind of support you needed at that time? Was the <sighs> fact that you were living with the in-laws helpful for you? Um, no, I mean, it was great to have them because, you know, um, because they were, um, they were living, like, because my fiance and I, we live together in Hamburg, but my in-laws live in Kiel, which is in north of Germany. Mm. So it was a different city and I didn't know doctors there. I didn't know anyone there. So it was just my in-laws and, you know, it was nice to have them, but sometimes we had different ideas about things, how, how things are going, are going to work out and mm-hmm. um, it, it was difficult. And also, yeah, um, after birth, I also had a midwife, like after the German system is such that a midwife comes to your house uh, for, a, for a few weeks after giving birth and she... She weighs the baby and she shows you how to how to bathe and how to care for the baby and she checks on you and how you are. Um, however, I must have been not very 
not very lucky with the midwife because she was giving me totally conflicting advice. Mm-hmm. Or, or, for example, when I was complaining, oh, my baby was crying so much and, and she didn't sleep at all. And she was like, what did you eat? Like, like it's my, my, you know, like it's my fault that I, that she's crying. Yeah. So I was, I was such a mess. So it was actually a relief when she was six weeks old and I felt more or less all right and ready to travel. And we moved to the Netherlands to join my husband there and to start, finally start a family together. Wow, that was a lot to handle. So what has <laughs> helped you to, you know, keep your cool or at least deal with it? I don't think I kept my cool very well, to, to be honest. Uh, I was a mess, I think. I don't deal very well with um, sleep deprivation. So I was, and actually, I think um, when you're a new mom, you're kind of anxious and sleep deprived, and you're in this um, mental state when you have no idea what's going on. And, you know, yeah. and for me, for example, moving abroad, what was less of a cultural shock than be becoming a mother. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, living, moving abroad, I've done this for a, a few times, so I knew what to expect. But becoming a mother for the first time was something totally different. Yeah. So where did you find the resources you, need, you needed to, to go through this ch- challenge and, and to learn about, you know, becoming a mom for the first time? Uh, yeah, I, I think I was reading books, but they didn't really help much because they didn't really apply to my situation or they didn't give me any helpful advice. Mm-hmm. So for a long time, I didn't really have much support except for my husband's colleagues or friends because I didn't know anyone in the Netherlands at first. <laughs> then I got pregnant for for the second time mm-hmm. and... When my second daughter was born, that's when I actually uh, reached out to to expert organization for mothers and started going to play dates and uh, met friends. And yeah, that was the support I needed. But I didn't know it at the time. I think at the beginning I, I thought, oh, I'm fine. I don't need it. I don't need it. Um, I'm going to be fine. But basically, I, I don't think I was fine. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's quite amazing that um, that you did go through it and then had a second kid. It must have been a panic, no? When you for the, <laughs> when you learned that you were pregnant for a second time, although you were still learning how to deal with it the first time. I I know, but I think I remember something my father told me, like I was doing horseback riding, and he said. When you fall off the horse, then you have to get back on the horse as fast as possible because <laughs> don't then you um, yeah then you're going to be traumatized. <laughs> that's a wise advice from a father <laughs> and how to get pregnant again. <laughs> yeah, so that's why I did and yeah and also because um, there was a situation when a woman called the police on me because my eldest daughter had a temper tantrum. So what's a temper tantrum? It's like when your child starts, especially in the, the age of two or three, it's when they start crying and throwing the sem- their, themselves on the floor and, you know, doing lots of noise and, you know, basically going crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, some kids do that. Some kids don't. Um, I don't know. My first did that a lot. My second didn't do it much. So she did, your first daughter did that and somebody called the police on your daughter. Yeah, 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 because we were outside of the daycare because I just picked her up and she wanted to walk 
and I didn't let her because there were streets and canals and I, you know, um, it was too dangerous for her to walk. And she's that woman she saw me from the window of, of her house and then she ran down to me and she said, oh, you're abusing your child, I'm calling the police because I was trying to get my daughter into the stroller and she fought me. So from above, it must have, must have looked oh as if I was her or something. My mistake was that I said, oh, just leave me alone, it's not your problem. And that's when she called the police. I just should have shut up and said nothing. This is a, th- This has been the start, I think, of many things for you. So take us through that story. What happened and how did it affect you and what, didn't, what kind of difference did it make for you? Um, yeah, first of all, it was, it was quite traumatic because, um, you know, if you see someone crying, like uh, if you see a child crying and... Oh my God. I think she was simply you know, trying to help or whatever, but she called the police because she thought I was abusing my child. But I was lucky that the daycare, um, the lady from daycare was just, um, they wanted to go home, but then she, they, they saw me standing on the street crying and they wanted to know what was going on. And they waited with me until the police came and I called my husband and Every, in the end, everything was fine because the daycare nanny said, told the police that, you know, they knew me and I would never hurt anyone. And, and yeah. yeah. This is <laughs> and absolutely crazy. <laughs> I know, I know. It was, so um, how did it affect you, this incident? On one hand, it's, it was quite traumatic because even now I think, you know, if... Uh, if some of my children, you know, cries when we were out in public, I think, oh my God, oh my God someone, someone's going to call the police. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I don't know about the Netherlands, but in, I know in some countries it's much easier, you know, if you, like, like I know in, in, in Norway, I think there was a situation when the police took the, the, the you know, the kids away from their parents. So I, I kind of live in fear that something would happen to me. Wow. <laughs> it would take one mistake and, you know. <laughs> but on the other hand, it was a situation that actually made me realize that I needed um, more support than I have. So that's when I started to reach out to those organizations. And that's when I started my blog. Very interesting. So that's, that's <laughs> I think it's, it's very important what you're saying here for other moms, you know, the importance of starting as soon as possible to find support systems if we don't have the family around us in this nomadic lifestyle. It is important to reach out to groups, organizations, associations, and I'm sure that in every country there are. And if not, you know, if there is none, let's just create it, you know, let's just make it because there's always a mom needing support wherever you are. Exactly. That was also the, the idea behind my blog because I thought if this is happening to me, it must surely I cannot be the only one and maybe if there is a mom out there who who is you know who also had the police called on her or who who is having troubles dealing with a child in a totally different country then maybe if she read my story it will help her in some way to know that she's not alone <coughs> yeah it's, it's really great so tell us a bit more about your blog and what do you write about I've been seeing you you're a writing machine <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen somebody write so fast and so frequently as you. And uh, so it's really interesting what you have in your blog. But I'd love you to present it and explain us a bit more your concept for your blog. Yeah, so the European Mama um, is, 
it basically started as a trilingual blog because I, I speak Polish and German and English and wanted to um, write in all those languages to keep my brain a little bit, um, yeah, like like a gym for the brain, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then I thought I would, so I basically wrote about whatever came to my mind. I didn't have any plan in mind. I just wanted to write something, anything, whatever. Um, and then I thought maybe I could attract a wider, wider audience. And then I started writing in only in English, mm. and it worked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, basically, I write about parenting, um, living abroad, traveling, and uh, I share my recipes. Mm-hmm. Because some of the recipes are mine, uh, but some are my family's recipe. My from my father, who is a who is a great like he, he loves cooking so much and he's great at it. And I realized that I don't have many of his uh, recipes. So, so mm-hmm. when I get some of the of his recipes, I share them on my blog. Or the same with my mom, who also has her dishes that she lo- loves making and. Um, that I really love do, making as well. So that's all that goes to my blog. <laughs> this is wonderful. So how did your blog help you and have other other mothers going through the motherhood and the challenge you had with the adaptation of this all these different cultures and how to raise a child and sometimes the judgment that we can feel from from outside? Yeah. Um I think with the different cultures that because I was raised myself um, in many languages and cultures as well because as I said I lived in Germany as a child and I speak German and then my parents uh, are multilingual as well and my father was raised in France and my mom was raised in the Netherlands where she attended an international school mm. so she the She, my mom speaks English as well as Polish, and my father speaks French as well as Polish. So they're both multilingual and multicultural. And for me, it's very normal to to do this. Uh, so I didn't have problems with that. However, the, the just mo- the, the yeah the motherhood aspect I found more difficult because um, I've never done that before. So it, there's always something new about this, something that I have to adapt to or learn or. Um, Yeah. yeah, and to be honest, I also started writing because I was so bored. I was bored out of my mind. It was incredible. <laughs> um, so yeah. I thought by writing I could probably, you know, um, yeah. At first I was uh, writing my MA thesis um, for my German for for the German un- un- university because I was I, I finished my classes, but but I started to finish my thesis. So I did that when my first daughter was little. And I graduated when I was pregnant with my second. Um, but then shortly after that, I started my blog. So, yeah, um, the motherhood aspect I found totally difficult, mostly because if you read all those blog posts or books or um, all the materials that's out there, you get the feeling that you have to do so, so much. Like there's... You always expected whatever you're doing is wrong, and you're always expected to do more. But how? But how did you get to develop your confidence on what you want to do with your edu- kids' education and bringing them up and taking care of them? How did you I, went through all this turmoil into being this assured mom, knowing what are the values you want to have for your kids and how you raise them? 
I th- I think one thing I did that was a very wise decision was to stop reading parenting books. When I read parenting books now, they're not um, how to raise children, but rather either about um, how parents around the world raise their children just out of interest and uh, books like um, All Joy No Fun, which is uh, about the problems parents parents face while raising children. Mm. Um, so you so do read them or you do, or you do I not do, read them? Those, those I read, but I don't read books like, I don't know, How to Raise the Best Child in the World yeah. or How to Raise the Perfect Child or... You know, because I, I just felt those books were so, um, what's the word? They're, they were talking down to me. I basically felt that, yeah, yeah that I just felt I was being treated as if I was stupid, you know? It's, um, no, it's, Interesting. so I just stopped reading um, parenting manuals, maybe it's better description, like how to raise your ch- the best child in the world or mm. how to have the perfect child or whatever. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of those sports. And I think this is like quantity of books and resources that there is out there. And this is why I was asking you, how did you develop your own values? Because at the end is, how do we pick from all these resources, especially if we don't have the support system, a family around? Yeah. Um, how do we build our own confidence in the way we're raising our kids? Yeah, I, I, I'm still not that confident as a mother, I must admit. I think all my confidence comes from writing because when I see that I managed to get published on, I don't know, um, the Wall Street Journal, then I feel, okay, I can, you know, raise my kids as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, I know for many, many mothers, the other way around, but that's how it went, went for me that my, the confidence I have in raising my kids comes, comes from elsewhere. It doesn't come from, from the, yeah, from being a mother at all. Yeah. <laughs> so do you give tips in your blog or do you just discuss your own story and share it? Um, I think I do have some tips, but I, I think I rather like descriptive writing, like what happened to me and how I um, interpret it and what happened. Yeah, um, I like doing roundups of things around the world. For example, I have a post about funny school facts around the world and when I collected. So you do speak a lot about these cultural differences and describe, you know, what, what is your experiences but also what you've learned from other countries. Exactly. Yeah, pretty much. Wonderful. And how is that? Because you've got a great blog and a lot of people are in, in, and it's very engaging. A lot of people are exchanging in it. So what do you think, according to you, other moms like it? Um, that's a good question. Um, I think mostly it's the community aspect. For example, the, the, the feeling of, oh, me too. For example, recently I had a message from a woman uh, who read my article on Scary Mommy uh, that I wrote um, how I felt as the daughter of a... My mom was always working, like, uh, as a professor, and um, she she, she still works, and she loves her job, and I'm mostly at home. I mean, I do now make some money writing, but basically when I wrote that article, I was more a stay-at-home mother. And I mentioned I was sending my children to daycare, even if I wasn't working. And then I got lots of negative comments. Hey, but why do you have even have kids if, you, if you're going to send them to daycare? Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, 
not to I mean I didn't mention the fact that we were living abroad and you know I wanted them to learn the language as well because it wasn't uh, relevant to the story but that woman wrote, wrote to me and she said oh I'm just in the same situation and I don't work I'm a stay, stay, stay at home mother and my kids go to daycare and I want to say thank you for your article because it's good to know that I'm not the one the only one who does it it must not be easy when you're starting being a mom and sometimes no, face the judgments of others right Yeah, I think after after a while, stop caring what others think of you, and you just do your thing. But it's at the beginning. You, I think, at the beginning, you really want to get things right. Mm. So you start listening because you think, oh, maybe they know, or maybe those know, or maybe that book will, you know, tell me what I have to do, because you're you're so confused. And then it turns out no one can tell you what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you just have to figure it out by yourself. I like what you're saying here. I think if we have to, you know, highlight one only one thing from all the great things you've shared now, it's the fact that, you know, no matter how much support we can get and tips and and read and and resources, it's important to just be patient and accept to learn along the way, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, also just. Those of us who um, have experience in raising children in different countries, I think that the good thing about this is that um, we realize that there's no perfect one way to raise children. Definitely. Yeah, so because I'm reading lots of articles about, you know, how French kids eat more vegetables or how they, they are better behaved or <laughs> whatever. Yeah, I think each culture has, you know, pros and cons. And yeah. What I like you, about what uh, you're saying in your articles, in your blogs, is that you're not giving advice on how to raise other people's kids <coughs> or telling, oh, this is how I do it, this is the way to do it. But you're more like sharing the differences and sharing your own perspective and your own experience without having to say, this is the way to do it, right? Yeah, and sometimes I do give advice. For example, for Bubble, I wrote tips for moms who hate cleaning because I have, I hate cleaning, and you know the idea how to make it as you know. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, just very simple tips. Mm. Yeah. Did anything change when you had your third child? Good question. Um, yeah, I think uh, when he was born, um, I focused more on the writing because I I, I had to. I had a feeling that if I'm not going to do it, if, if I didn't, I would just, you know, um, my brain would go rusty and I didn't want that. I wanted to, you know, work to write and write and write until he was big enough to go to get daycare. So I would have, um, I could start, you know, pitching and submitting to, to other publications. You also wrote book? Yeah, I, no, I didn't write the books. I oh. mostly... Uh, contributed to those books. Okay, so you contributed. That's important to know. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, Dutched Up, the anthology we uh, we published with other uh, women bloggers in the Netherlands, that one I put together. So this is more or less sort of my book, even if it's an anthology. Uh, but the others I just contributed to. So there's one story um, by me in each of those books. They're mostly anthologies as well. So so there, there's me and other bloggers who took part. How do you find the time to write? That's a good question. I have no idea. Because um, <laughs> on most days I have like maybe two to three hours to myself, which is, and to do, you know, writing and household and, and whatever. 
So it's not much. And sometimes I write uh, a lot and sometimes I write nothing at all, depending on how, you know, how well I'm feeling. Mm. Um, And, you know, also keep in mind that what you see published is just a small fraction of what I write. And (laughs) a lot of what I write doesn't get published because it gets rejected. So, yeah, there is that as well. Um, It's another... um maybe advice for other mom, other expat partners who want to start their blogs and want to get, um, to start getting, you know, some audience and people reading. How did you get people to read your blog? Um, good question. (laughs) Because when I started, I had no idea about blogging at all. I just wanted to write and I just wanted to have a easy, quick way to do it. So I didn't really know about SEO or social media or anything like that. So I had to learn it um, one step at a time. Mm-hmm. And I think like because now um, everyone tells me, oh, you have to have a niche. Like you have to have one topic to write about or you have to be very intentional about your blog and you have to know what you're doing. And if I had to figure out how, what I was supposed to do, I wouldn't even have started because I would have been overwhelmed. There's so much information out there. So I think my advice is just get started and then figure out what you have to do while you're doing it. This is great. Fantastic. <laughs> do ask, you know, to be published. You take the initiative to contact, you know, the different blogs and the different, yes. like, um, yes. uh, you know, the how we say, we tell them some kind of opinion leader blogs and etc. You do offer to publish. Then if it's rejected, it's rejected. <laughs> but if it's accepted, it's great. So you lose nothing at asking to be published, right? Exactly. Exa- yeah, that's a good point. For example, I started a good point. A good advice is to reach out to other bloggers asking if they can guest post, like if they, you know, going to publish a post of you, mm. by, uh, written by you. Mm. And it, it just um, takes a little, you know, courage to do this. But it's... With email, it's so easy, you know, just send, you just write the email and press send. And, and that's so much easier than if you had to do it by mail, like snail mail or, or, you know, in person. Maybe I probably wouldn't have done it if I had to do it in person. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I, I reach out to lots of, ed, you know, big um, of editors in big um, publications have, if I had an idea. Because if it gets accepted, it's it's awesome, yeah. and if it doesn't get accepted, at least I, I you know I already got in touch with them. Yeah, that's great. So next time I I, I email them, they know who I am, and hopefully remember me uh, in a good way. Very good. So if I have to summarize, I think one thing is to not be afraid to reach out to people who can yes. you know give yes. you a voice and exposure, and number two, tenacity. Don't give up contact yes. again again and again and that's yes really, yes i think that's your secret sauce this is why it's working so well <laughs> uh, just before we finish so is there um one tip you would like to share with other new moms around the world who just started this journey and have their first kids is there one advice you would share from your experience <laughs> good question it's it's hard to me to give advice <laughs> Maybe one advice. thing you have learned, if it's better to I, say it that way. I, I think um, I think it's important to know that it's going to be okay. That you, you're probably going to make mistakes and 
do many things right, but also many mistakes. And in the end, I think it's going to be okay. This is a beautiful <laughs> way to end our interview. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I believe, because the like the message parents get these days that you have to pay attention to everything, how your kids eat and how they you know go to the toilet and how they behave and everything is so exhausting. But I think it's good to take a step back and just do your thing and in the end it should be okay. Yes. Wonderful. So Olga, before we say goodbye, I would love to know what are your plans for the next coming two years? Uh, my son is going to school next year, so I hope to have more time for writing. And I hope to have a book, book published, um, yeah, or maybe two, mm-hmm. if it goes well. Um, yeah, and there are, there are, of course, publications I want to see my writings on. Um, so I hope to, to do that. How can we find you, Olga? Um, yeah, you can either find me on my blog, www.europeanmama.com, or email me, olga at uh, europeanmama.com. Fantastic. Olga and of course, Facebook yeah. and Twitter. Facebook. Always. Always. <laughs> If you're looking for Olga, go to Facebook. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> Wonderful. Olga, this was so much fun to do with you. Thank you so much. Thank you for interviewing me. It was a pleasure. To connect with other expert partners from around the world and share great inspiration and tips together, join us on our private Facebook group. Go to facebook.com and join Tandem Nomad Group. <laughs>